Hello and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger. Most diets seem to be about what not to eat, but the best way to improve your health in the long run is to forget diets and focus on foods to say yes to. My guest today, Dr. Michael Krupain, calls these yes foods the Power Five. And in this episode, he reveals what they are and how to get more deliciously. Michael Krupain is a board-certified preventative medicine physician and author of the cookbook, The Power Five. He has quite a resume. He served as the director of the Food Safety and Sustainability Center at Consumer Reports and was medical director at the Dr. Oz Show, where he won two Emmy Awards. He's on the faculty at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, is a member of the board of the American College of Preventative Medicine, and more. Let's welcome Dr. Michael Krupain. Dr. Michael Krupain, thank you so much for being here. It is great to have you on. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today. So we have so much in common. It's just amazing to me. And I feel actually surprised that we haven't met in person before. So it's great to talk to you. Um, you have had a very unique career path. And I think my listeners would be really intrigued by that. So I'm certainly intrigued by it. So will you share a little bit of kind of how you got here to this place where you wrote this beautiful cookbook and you're practicing medicine? And Sure. So I'll give you the, the short version because otherwise we'll have to do a couple of uh, episodes. But I think, uh, you know, I, I in undergrad, I was studying neuroscience and that was sort of my passion. And I also love working with my hands. Carpentry is my hobby. I've always loved cooking since I was maybe three years old. That's been something. It's been a big part of my life. And then I decided I wanted to be a doctor. And I went to medical school to become a neurosurgeon because I thought that would combine all of my interests. And when I started doing it for real as a resident, I discovered it did not. I was, And it was devastating, really, because I had had this career path that was very clear and I was going to be a neurosurgeon. I was going to do really well. And I was going to get to do whatever else I wanted in my life. You had plans. I had I had plans for, you know, after that, like, you know, <laughs> maybe someday I'd have a restaurant or I'd have a, a this and a that, you know, because that was what I was thinking about. And and but I was so unhappy because I discovered that to be a great neurosurgeon, which I should have known this, you have to devote your life to that one thing. And so instead of combining all my interests, it really took away took away from them. And, and I was very unhappy. And, and I made this uh, bold decision to leave. And it was in part in, uh, sort of brought upon by my visit to a cooking school in Italy, where I was uh, went to this class in Southern Puglia, and I've stayed friends with the owner, just did a collaboration with him actually this October. Um, and then the last day of the school, it was, the school was about three or four years old at that point. He said, thank you for coming to my cooking school, because you're letting me live my dream. And I thought to myself, you know, wow, this guy is living his, his dream life and I'm doing this other thing so that someday I'll get to do all the things I want. Why am I wasting all that time? I need to get into it now. So I, so I left neurosurgery, but I didn't really know what to do next. I started a website called The Dairy Show, which is like a farm to table cooking show about, uh, you know, 15 years ago before that was a real thing. And then I got more involved in food and community and discovered uh, the field of preventive medicine which I hadn't known about really before, uh, where I realized I could I could still be in medicine, I could be a doctor, and I could get involved in food and agriculture and policy and all the things I was interested in. And so I went to 
consumer, I mean, I went to Hopkins to, to do that. And after that, I went, ended up at Consumer Reports where I ran the Food Safety Center and I got to do science and writing and policy work all rolled up into one, which was sort of a dream job. And did that for a couple of years. And then uh, Dr. Oz from the TV show came calling and said, I know I, I could use some help. I've got some uh, things going on in the show. I need a doctor here. And I thought, well, you know, that's where most people, or not, maybe not most, but a huge number of people get their health information, got to make sure it's right. And so I went there to run uh, the medical unit uh, there. So basically, like kind of like the fact-checking department in a way, but also we helped um, shape the shows and everything. And most of those shows are, <laughs> if you ever watch shows, mostly about eating. Yeah, I was on, food. I have been on the show several times. Yeah, I had right. been on the show several times, actually. That's um, right. And then from there, I uh, ended up uh, meeting Mike Roizen, who, who you know is at the Cleveland Clinic and then it's a great mentor of mine. And we wrote a couple of books together. And um, the second one we wrote was a cookbook. And then one day National Geographic said, could you write another one? And uh, I said, sure, that would be fun. And, you know, all along the way, I've always been uh, working in restaurants when I could sneak off to them, collecting cookbooks. I have hundreds of cookbooks. Uh, going to these cooking classes. Where whenever I travel, I always go to the farmer's markets and I always try to find someone to cook with where, to learn about the sort of the local cuisine of the region or the country. Uh, so food and health have always been part of my life. And to sort of writing this book is this opportunity to really combine them in the way that's very true to who I am and, and in a way that I believe can help a lot of people. Yeah. And so when you say this book, it is uh, the book called is a cookbook called The Power Five. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But actually, it's so funny because so your one real good thing is to focus on yes foods, which I'm so aligned with in so many ways. Um, and and I, I feel like ev- this time of year, this new year, basically, is when everybody is thinking about diets. Unfortunately, I'm trying to veer people away from thinking even the word diet is a four-letter word to me. But most of these plans, diets, whatever they, however they pitch them these days, focus on what not to eat, focus on what to avoid. And yes, there are foods we need to be eating less of. I don't think there should be any no foods. That's my philosophy and yours as well. But um but if we switch that, if we flip that, if we ignore these diets and these plans that are so restrictive, and we flip that to yes, what to say yes to, then we really land on a beautiful place to be. And it's connected. I feel like it's interesting because your one real good thing is the foods to say yes to, and we're going to dive into that. But I think it's kind of connected to this notion of how you found your career path. And it's sort of following this positive line and this line of what makes you feel good, this line of what gives you joy, this line, this path, this what I'm saying line, it's like this path, this thread that leads you to these positive places in your life. And I think that's also how I found my career path as a nutritionist and culinary expert as well. And um and always following the thing that gave me energy that inspired me. And I, I've found that to be infallible, that if you find that and you can carve out a way to make a living from that, then you have really created something. And not everyone can do that. I realize there's privilege in that and a lot of gifts in that ability. But I think more people can do that than realize they could do that. And um, and so thank you for, for even 
putting that in our heads as well as like your extra folks, that's your extra bonus one real good thing. So <laughs> let's dig into yeah. the the real one good, real one good thing. Um, and that is um to focus on the yes foods. So what do you mean by the yes foods? And why does this matter to you? Yeah. So well, thanks for that summation of my career. I, I'm going to use that. <laughs> I think that's important. And I think, you know, I love, as it seems obvious, I think at this point, I love food. I love eating it and I love cooking it. And I love sharing it. Right. And and I think that's important. But, you know, I've worked in the media a long time and, and I know that a lot of times the media does things to confuse people, right? It gives lots of mixed information because the media always needs something new to, to share, right? And a lot of times those stories that people read are about, don't eat this, and this will kill you, right? Or when even when you go to someone you trust, as you already mentioned, the message is usually cut back, eat less, right? And I feel like that's not the most helpful message because when we tell people to do less of something, we've got to tell them what to sub in, right? And sometimes those substitutes aren't so easy. And so what I really wanted to do was sort of change that narrative and focus on a way to make people feel more empowered. And yeah, focus on those yes foods. Focus on the things you should actually be eating more of, right? How weird is it for a doctor to say, eat more, right? (laughs) It is music to my ears, I have to say, (laughs) because actually most of us, many Americans eat way too many calories, right, in general, but actually have a nutritional paucity, right? We're, yes, we're lacking. Yes. We are actually lacking in nutrient-dense foods. And so we really, there's research showing that we do need, actually, it's not just for a framing. It's actually that we need to be eating more of certain things. That's right. I mean, we sometimes we hear, we say that we are overfed and undernourished, right? And that's in a lot of it has a lot of different meanings. But when you look at the data, there are the foods that I call the power five in the book that are the foods that are associated with health and longevity that the data shows over and over again across the world that people don't eat enough of these foods. And so that, again, is sort of the, the point of the book and to, to call these foods out as the powerful foods that can improve your health, show you how you can make them delicious, because a lot of people have probably ex- don't eat things, I believe, in my sort of <laughs> feeling and philosophy is people don't eat these healthful foods because they don't think they taste good, right? Because when we eat, we want something that's delicious. It's a pleasure-seeking activity most of the time, not always, but most of the time. And if something's delicious, we're going to eat it. And so I spent sort of a couple of years uh, working on this cookbook with many, many years uh, studying food and, and cooking to bring this to people and say, here, you know what? These ingredients can be delicious. They can be prepared in a very simple and economical way. And uh, you are going to want to eat more of them if you really try to, you know, experience these flavors. So I want you to um, to name the power five in a minute. But before that, I have to just shout out how absolutely gorgeous this book is. I am thoroughly inspired by the recipes in this book. There are so many that I have sort of dog eared here. Um, and uh, I mean... It's gorgeous. I love how it's influenced by many different cultures, which I'll get into, Um, but their photos are beautiful. The food is so inspired and some of it is a little aspirational. You know, some of it is like um, gourmet sort of, because I know you've spent some time in high-end restaurants, but most of it 
is totally everyday doable. And I really appreciate that mix of recipes in there. And it's just fabulous. So it's called The Power of Five. So just so people know. And one thing that I think is so important is this focus on deliciousness, because you say that it's your mission in all of your work to make the world a healthier and more delicious place. So, you know, my tagline on my uh, website is healthy meat delicious, right? Actually, delicious meat healthy. I start with delicious because I think the word delicious and, and the sense of pleasure and the sensualness of food is missing completely or mostly from the conversation about nutrition. We talk about fiber and we talk about carbs and we talk about nutrients and we talk about micronutrients and macronutrients, but nobody's talking about flavor and pleasure and how much that matters. And you think it matters tremendously. It's obvious from your work. And I think it matters tremendously. So we're entering this folks with the notion that pleasure and joy and the ability to make food easily and affordable for your family is part of this. So with that, Please tell us, Dr. Coupain, what are the power five? So the power five are the foods you might expect them to be. It's fruits and vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, and fish. Those are the things that, again, the data shows support living a long, healthy life, and we're not eating enough of. And I got to say, um, I wrote this book at, to be a cookbook. I, I have hundreds of cookbooks, and I... Thought, you know, when I go to buy a cookbook, I'm buying a cookbook because I love the way they look and I love the recipes, the person who's written them. And I'm looking, I'm buying a cookbook because I want to eat something delicious. And I don't necessarily go and buy a cookbook because I want to be healthy, right? I want to, I want to go buy a cookbook because I want it delicious. So this, and I like to call it as it's not a healthy cookbook. It's a cookbook that just happens to be healthy. <laughs> and part of that is it sort of starts with, um, making something delicious starts with your eyes. And so when I was creating these recipes, I was really thinking about what are they going to look like? Uh, I learned a lot from writing a cookbook before this um, about about doing that. And I was really lucky to have a great team, people who you, I know you work with, with uh, the same <laughs> Scott Suchman and Lisa Chersky here. Yeah. You know, helped, so the uh, create the beautiful images in the book and the whole Nat Geo team. And, and I think, uh, yeah, the book really, every time I open it up, I'm excited by what I see. Yeah. So just so folks know, this is the photography team, uh, Scott Schussman and Lisa Scherkowski. I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name. I never um, say it right. But a fabulous <laughs> t photography team that shoots a lot of my recipes for the Washington Post. And it's just, the pictures are just gorgeous. I mean, it's fabulous. But um, but yes, this this visual appeal is so important. It really is. And I love how you say it just happens to be healthy because I, I say mine is, P.S. it's healthy. Because you don't want to lead with that because we have this incredible bias that I have been really my one of my missions in life is to stamp out this bias that healthy food is somehow wanting in flavor, that it's somehow wanting in texture, that you're going to walk away saying, all right, well, at least I did something good for myself. I don't even, I feel like the best way to teach people about nutrition is to make something fabulous for them. And don't, you don't even have to say a word. They're automatically nourishing themselves better by eating and indulging in this wonderful, fabulous food that P.S. is healthy. So that's we're, we're so on the same page with that. But I'd like to dig a little bit more. And, and by the way, these power five that you say, we're going to repeat them. So fruits and vegetables counts as arguably that could be two separate things, right? So, But it, that's one category. <laughs> um, beans, nuts and seeds, fish, 
and whole grains. whole grains. And so on this podcast, I have done so many episodes really focusing in on each one of these power five. And I have talked to Dan Butner from the Blue Zones, who you refer to a lot in your book. And we did an episode together. So check these out, folks, because this all supports the same thing here. Um, and there's a reason why these amazing experts who know about food, who know about, who care about food and who care about health are all coming back to the same conclusions. It's not that complicated. It's these five things. Eat more of these five things and you will be better off. So tell us, Dr. Coupain, how people are better off by eating more of these five things. Like what happens? What is the research in terms of how this benefits us? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of big epidemiological research. I mean, there's interesting things about, you know, phytonutrients and 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 things. I, I don't like to reduce things <laughs> that far, uh, but we can. Um, but, you know, when you look at the epidemiology, people who eat these foods, uh, they have a lower risk of death from heart disease, from diabetes. These foods can help prevent cancers. Uh, they make you just feel better and have more energy. They're good for your gut health, for feeding your good gut bacteria, which helps support your whole body. I think people don't realize also that your, like our mental health and our physical health are the same <laughs> in many ways. We always are separating those. But if, if, you're he- if your body's healthy and your gut's healthy, you're going to feel better. Your mental health is going to be better. All of these foods are just really uh, have been shown, again, to, to help people live longer. And they have a lot of antioxidants that are anti-inflammatory, right? They help promote heart health, lower blood pressure. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And, you know, we could talk about it all day, but I, I think the, the point is these are the foods you should be eating. And if you eat more of them, you're going to feel better. You're going to most likely live longer and yeah. you're going to have a better quality of life. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's made out to be like some mystery, like you have to take certain supplements or do some crazy combination of things or, but it's not, it's eating the power five. It really is. And it's over and over every expert that I talk to who really knows what they're talking about. That's what they say. I think, I think it's, again, it gets into the sort of where we've been made, uh, you know, through our society, through media uh, our culture to think like there's magical bullets and that things are complicated. But, you know, if you, when you look across the research for decades and decades and decades, it it's always an agreement, right? It's yes. very rare that we discover that something's not an agreement and then maybe it's, and it would be for a select group of people, right? There are a select group of people who can't eat certain foods or who have a negative effect from, you know, something, you know, there's people who are sensitive to gluten, obviously they shouldn't be eating uh, a lot of grains, right? But that's not everyone. But we, we take these things that are for specific people and then we worry an entire population about them. When really, when we th- talk about entire population, these are the foods you need to eat. The data is abundantly clear over and right. over again. And it's not just, it's worrying an entire population and actually robbing them of something very joyful about life and also healthful. So it's besides it's worry, the worry that comes from it, the unnecessary stress that comes from it. And actually I did a podcast about that, about all listening to all of these media voices that you wind up becoming stressed about everything. So you can de-stress by kind of coming down to these more basic foundational things. Um, With that, I think one of the people, one of the things people get really stressed about is fruit. 
So mm-hmm. let's just like talk about that for a second, because I think it is one thing we get a lot of mixed messages about. And I know a lot of dietitians I know are like, what kind of world is it where my client is freaking out, worried about eating an apple? Like what's happening here? So let's just pull that out for a second, just as a specific, like let's talk about fruit and why it's, you know, you say it's maligned and misunderstood. Why? What's going yeah. on? Well, I, I think there's a couple couple of things and uh, let me cover two things. I mean, I combine fruits and vegetables into one into one category because a lot of times the things we call vegetables are fruit, right? No. And and you know, we sort of interchangeably use in, in sort of science they're different in culinary terms they're they're more similar. So I and then we always say eat your fruits and vegetables like as one co- one thing. So I combine them. So I I think that's a, sort of an important uh takeaway also, you know, that these are both healthful foods, fruits and vegetables. I think fruits have been maligned, right? Because they contain more sugar than other foods that we eat, right? And sugar is, you know, one of our public enemies uh, as as sort of raw, plain, simple sugar should be. Um, but the sugar in fruit, again, we don't want to be too reductionist. Sugar in fruit is tied up with a lot of fiber and other nutrients. And when you look at the calories in an apple or in a serving of blueberries, it's almost nothing, right? To, in order to eat enough fruit to to reach an unhealthy level of fruit. Like I I think it's hard for almost everyone to do that. You could eat <laughs> giant quantities of fruit before you can really overdo it and you'll be so full. Um so I don't know. I love I love fruit. I like to mix sweet sweet and savory together, like sweet, sweeter, what we consider a sweet fruit. Uh I think it adds to the deliciousness of a dish. And I think I think people need to stop being afraid of fruit. It's uh it's got all these great nutrients in it and the sugar quantity is is not so bad right and and really we're talking about whole fruit here and yes. and and I'm taught and I like to say it's like packaged it's natural the sugars in fruit in whole fruit are naturally packaged with all of these elements the fiber that slows down the absorption of the sugar with water you know which also bulks it up and makes you feel full with fewer calories um, with all these micronutrients and antioxidants um so because of that natural packaging that's the healthiest way to eat it so you know enjoying it like that and in recipes and so on but using whole fruit and actually it could be a real asset in desserts to use whole fruit as a sweetener instead of refined sugars which i i find i do a lot and it's nice in dressings and things like that. Under hundred percent, yeah. I mean, it's it's all about the whole the whole eating the whole food is always where you're going to get more nutrition, and you're going to be protected from those single nutrients that maybe again in this one off situation, if you just eat that one thing, maybe not so good for you. But when it's packaged in that natural whole food, it's not something I would worry about. Okay. So here's my question. How do we actually do this from practical perspective? So most people don't get enough fruits and vegetables. By far, most people don't get enough fruits and vegetables. Why don't we get them? And how can we really practically move the needle so that we get more, not only fruits and vegetables, but the other elements of the power five? How do we get more whole grains? How do we build, how do we change our life to move in that direction? Sure. I think there's a there's a lot of reasons people don't eat enough of these power five foods. But for me, it all boils down to they're not important enough to incorporate into my life because I don't think they taste good. 
maybe they're hard to get to, right? Even in culinary schools, we don't necessarily teach people how to cook fruits and vegetables and nuts and seeds and whole grains to make them delicious. So out in our environment, it's not always easy to find these healthful foods, right, at, at the ready. There's more and more places that are doing it. And so if you want to save some time and you can identify those places that you can grab sort of a quick meal with the Power Five, I would I would encourage that. Um, but, you know, that's why I wrote this book, to empower people to be able to cook these foods. And I think you don't have to eat only the Power Five foods and you don't have to eat them all in every meal. And, you know, my recommendation is you try to eat four out of five a day and you eat five out of five at least once per week. And in the book, I have a plan and I've tried to organize some menus. So like if you take I mix and match different recipes, I think would go together throughout the course of a day and throughout the course of a week so that you can try to achieve that. Uh, but yeah, I think the main thing is to is to try. And once you start trying, you'll start realizing these things are delicious. They're not that hard to eat or to make and then to eat. Uh, you'll start feeling better. You know, usually I work with Dean Ornish on his uh, his uh, intensive cardiac rehab program. And what we see, and that's a very strict diet, right? They, that's a, a vegan diet with no oil. Uh, I love oil. so <laughs> I would, But for people who have had a heart attack, that could be very important. Um, and what people feel in that program is after two weeks of doing it, they feel so much better that they stick with it. And it's amazing because people get, are really nervous about can I eat differently than I've eaten before? But once you start experiencing it and realizing it's delicious and it makes me feel better, you want to keep doing it. Yeah. I mean, and I love in your book for each recipe, you have a little like symbol of which of the power five are in each particular recipe. So we could almost do that as we're launching in the new year and we may need a little more structure in terms of how to move forward with, with healthier eating um, to even look at each meal or snack and say how many of the power five are in there and maybe do a little check mark for yourself in your book or on your phone or just keep a little casual tally and 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 just track it and try to increase it a little bit and even just that awareness of how many fruits and vegetables whole grains how much fish how many um how nuts and seeds it might lead you to say hmm I didn't check off any nuts and seeds. I'm going to have a, add that to my yogurt, or I'm going to add some berries to this because, oh, why not? <laughs> right. And so I, I love think, that. right. Yeah. Okay. We should so have, I'm going to create some power five, tr like uh, trading cards. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. But people could totally do this right now, just using their phone or using a um, notepad or something, mm -hmm. but even just that awareness and looking at a plate or whatever and saying, how can I add more of the power five? And I guess it kind of starts also at the grocery store because you're not going to eat it if you don't have it. <laughs> so um, also think about when you're at the grocery store, when you're looking at your grocery cart or you're making your shopping list, start there. How many of these power five ingredients are you including? Is that most of your cart? It doesn't have to be at all of it, as you say, but is it most of it? Then you're going to be automatically on the right track because you're going to eat what you have. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It starts with shopping at the, at the grocery store, at the farmer's market, wherever you are. Uh, start in that produce section, right? With the fruits and vegetables there. They're irresistible. Make sure your cart is filled mostly with those power five foods. And then you have no choice but to eat them. I mean, I, I was really influenced by uh, David Kessler's book, I think the, the End of Overeating, right? 
And and he really talked about that so much. Like what what you have in your house impacts what you eat. And I know when I've got a pl- plate of uh, cookies next to me, I'm going to keep eating it. But <laughs> and that's okay. They're good. But you know, the more of the power five foods I have, the more likely they are to end up in every meal I eat. And, and it's a really good strategy. Yep. And having ones that you know you like. So get the fruits and vegetables you know you like, and then branch out a little to things that maybe you haven't tried. And I love particularly in your book, because this is also what has influenced me so much, is how you've really pulled from cuisines from around the world. So I grew, I traveled a lot um, in love to travel. And I always get culinary inspiration. But I started traveling in my teens. And I, I was modeling, actually. And I wound up going to all these countries and living there for three months at a time. And I was pretty much broke most of the time. So I was like cooking for myself. I wasn't going to restaurants, but I got to go to markets all over the world. And I realize now how that influenced my culinary perspective. Um, because I got to cook with ingredients that, you know, uh, well, I can find here in New York City, um, certainly, but I might not have been as exposed to otherwise if I hadn't traveled. But I love how you also talk about visiting markets around the world and pulling culinary inspiration from cuisines globally. Yeah, I think that I think there's a lot to learn, obviously, from from cultures different than your own. Um, and I think when you look around the world, you know, people have figured out all kinds of creative ways of cooking by necessity because that's where those things grow, right? Or that's where the land they're able to raise that kind of product on. Uh, and they figured out, you know, you know, a lot of cuisine has been developed from people who didn't have a lot of resources, right? So they figured out how to do a lot with very little and, oh, and made things that are absolutely amazingly delicious, right? And so by uh, exploring those techniques and, and learning from them, you can apply those same types of lessons in your in your own home to figure out how do you extract the most flavor out of this thing without adding a lot of other things, or maybe sometimes by adding just the right other things that are really uh, can enhance the flavor. I'll tell you, well, I was talking a little bit about Puglia and how that influenced my life. And in that particular region of Italy, which is I have a bunch of recipes in the book from uh, that region. Their land is such, and this is, I'm talking about the most southern part of the heel of the boot of Italy, where the land is pretty flat and mostly they just can grow olive trees. They don't have the right uh, water supply and terrain to raise animals. So their diet evolved into one that was naturally low in animal products. They're surrounded by water, so they have more fish uh, than some other places. And they didn't have great crops, so they eat a lot of wild forage greens Legumes tend to grow well in some poor soils. So their culture is that of beans and whole grains and and wild greens and fish. I mean, it's the power five. And they figured out how to make them delicious. And one of the cool things that my friend Silvestro runs the Awaiting Table Cooking School, where I've been and and helped teach a class with, he says, one of the cool things about there in Italy, in particular, that region is everyone makes things in their own, you know, unique way. Um, And they fight. What they fight about is how do you how do you do the same recipe with fewer ingredients? <laughs> how do you make it even more simple? And I, I just think that's so. Uh, oh, that's so cool interesting. And yeah, and it's so inspiring how around the world, human beings have essentially thrived off of some variation of these power five. 
some cultural variation of this particular power five of ingredients. So this is what humans really thrive on. And I feel like we can really take so much from the heritage of that um, and, and kind of run with it in a modern sensibility. Totally, yeah. When you, when you look around the world, and that's why we talk about the blue zones a lot, the people who live the longest, they're eating the power five. And oftentimes we call it the Mediterranean diet, right? But it's, it's interesting when you think about the Mediterranean diet, it's not just in the Mediterranean. And even when you look at the countries and the towns, because food is really regional, which I think is, again, one of the most exciting things to me is how food changes from one town or village or area to the next. Um, I guess I'm a bit of a food nerd, so I get excited about that. But even in some places, like in northern Italy, for example, they're eating a lot of cream and they're eating a lot of processed meats and they're eating a lot of things that maybe we wouldn't think is part of the Mediterranean diet, but they're on the Mediterranean. So when you go all around the world, yes, the the the, the this quote unquote Mediterranean diet isn't really the Mediterranean diet. It's the it's those power five foods that people who who live the longest and eat the healthiest are eating everywhere. Okay, so let's wrap up here. Please just give us a final sort of list of what the power five are so people have that clear as a bell in their head as we depart. And then also let us know how we can learn more about you. Sure. So the power five are fruits and vegetables, beans, whole grains, nuts and seeds, and fish. And you can learn more about me. You can go to my website, which is drcrupain.com. You can follow me on Instagram, which is at drcrupain.com. I'm making lots of recipe videos, uh, recipes from all the cookbooks or things I just think up on my own and, uh, you know, happy to answer questions and uh, hope everyone enjoys the book. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will as much as I have and will continue to do. So thank you, Dr. Krupain, for being here and for enlightening us and inspiring us uh, to live healthier and more deliciously. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to say yes to the power five in your everyday life. Join me next time for another one real good thing.